Hi, I'm Amy Porter, and this is my podcast. My mission is to show people how to empower themselves through music, business, and media. I try to see as clearly as possible how I can help. I showcase the music that I've played and the people I've met along the way. I'm a wife and a stepmom. You might know me as a professor, a performer, a producer, a publisher, a recording artist. I'm the founder of a couple of nonprofits. Welcome in to my Porter Flute Pod. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. It's episode two, Performance Therapy. And we're here with ideas on exploring and practicing contemporary music sounds and extended techniques on the flute, or pretty much any instrument. We want to turn around that emotional reality where we get nervous. You know, we can no longer be nervous about making sounds on the flute. We need to bring those thoughts around to making sounds that focus in with our talents and our musical creations. We don't want to run from our musical creations. We definitely want to use 100% of our talents. With us in the podcast, speaking with me as co-producer, Justine Sedke. We're going to feature Shauna Pernitis and her Flute Expansions website. And along with us in the booth, so to speak, is Alan J. Tomasetti. I went to the vault and found the first piece that I recorded at age 29 in 1993 in Atlanta that had extended techniques. It's by Robert Scott Thompson. It's titled Meridian for Solo Flute, and I was so nervous. You'll want to hear more of it after I preview it for you. Welcome to Porter Flute Pod. We're so happy you're here. I'm always teaching my students not to go fishing, you know, try to find a way out of playing the sounds and simply panic. You've just gone fishing. The sign is on the door. (laughs) You're trying to find a way out of the reality that you have to play the music that's written right there in front of you, the multiphonics, the extended techniques. This is music written in our time, maybe not in our time, but some, most of it, the present day. In your lifetime, it's by your peers. So maybe it's not part of your wheelhouse or your toolbox or your soundscape, but it needs to be. What you need to know is that you should focus on the landscape of the music. Come to terms with it. Don't resist it. Embrace the deeper lesson that that piece shows you. There's always a lesson concealed where you find yourself growing. There's always something to learn. Confront the fear so you can embrace your music. It's not the physical effort of learning those fingerings or multiphonics or pitch bends. What you want to do is solve the puzzle of the music and focus your emotions around the sounds within the music. The closer you get to playing the musical sounds, the more you're going to love this experience of what that composer wrote for you your potential will be actualized. 
tune out your mind when it tries to rationalize oh this is difficult so believe in the unheard and the unimaginable in your sound otherwise you'll always hear yourself in one way you'll never get to hear yourself in a new way beyond your own conventional tone I'm sure you've heard the phrase, you get stuck when you only hear yourself in one way. Obviously, there are levels to learning. Start one step at a time, trying to create something that hasn't been created yet in your tone. Practice doing different sounds with your flute. Stepping outside the box of conformity. Draw into yourself something that hasn't been done before. Now, don't attach yourself to the outcome. It's about applying yourself and investing in the realities that most people don't understand exists in music, and they don't dare try. It's because people are comfortable doing what everyone else has done. There's nothing special about that. Add something new to your universe of your music. Stop repeating yourself. Do something outside the norm. Now, don't get defensive about not understanding or being a beginner. Just challenge yourself to outdo yourself. Use the blank canvas of sound to create your world. It's your oyster. Don't run away from yourself. I know it's challenging to be in a situation you don't like, especially on the flute, but there are rewards in working with the magic that is upon you. It's a composer's dream to have their creation produced. It's up to us to believe in ourselves and our own magic to produce it. Welcome to the Porter Flute Pod, Justine. I'm so excited to have you come out from the booth. Thank you. I'm always happy to be here and especially to talk about, you know, the stuff I know and love. Well, some of the stuff you know and love, not everybody knows and loves. And we're talking about (laughs) contemporary music, extended techniques, and basically sounds. So, Justine, I'm going to ask you uh, who, what, where why and how okay we're gonna start with why would we play that 
other music if we're classically trained. We've spent our whole life learning how to be, you know, in a box, in a square, play perfectly in time, in tune. Someone's now asking us to debunk or add to that toolbox, let's say. Why? Well, the you almost answered that in your question because you said uh, in a square, you know, in a box, in a square. And when I hear playing or making art in a box or in a square, I don't hear much like creativity coming from that. Squares are great. They're a great shape, but like we have to get out of them because we are artists and musicians. And I always like to remember, and I like to tell people that if someone wasn't playing new music when Beethoven wrote Eroica, like what was going to happen? There were people who needed to be able to play Rite of Spring. These are very real things and the people and the techniques that you learn from playing extended techniques make you a relevant musician today. You can't avoid it. There's no reason to fight it. And if you do, you'll end up being left behind in this feeling of like, I'm always going to be terrified of new music and you're going to have to play it. So have fun with it. And we need to get past the idea that just because you have a beautiful and amazing sound on your flute, when you're playing your scales and your long tones, doesn't mean that your flute only does one thing. And it just so happens to be the one thing that you've studied for a long time, but there are other sounds that your instrument can make that you haven't studied. Therefore, your ear isn't tuned into those. You don't associate those with a good sound or like this sounds right because it's not the same thing. You're talking about comparing like tacos to a car. They're just so different. And I guess the answer is just why not, you know? Why not? Oh, wise one, Justine. You know, my teachers held it very important to learn a variety of genres. So I grew up kind of open-ended, open-minded, open, you know, there's no end to playing the music of today. So my next question is how... How are we going to let go from our heads and our instruments and our lips, right? Have you ever got, tried to go flat? Who, who yeah. out there listening can't go flat or can't go sharp? That was me for a little while. It took me a really long time to be able to play my first multiphonics because you can't blow a regular embouchure, right? And that took a long time. Um, but how is a couple of different answers from me. The... First one is to drop your ego down. Like it's not about you, it's about art. And it's about being a part of the 21st century's artistic scene and being a versatile player and a responsible artist to the world, which is the world is who you serve at the end of the day as a flutist and a musician. More practically, the first time I looked at a piece of contemporary music, I said, I'm so glad no one asks me to play their music because I have no desire to play any of that. You know, I was just, I wanted nothing to do with all of the polyrhythms and the sounds. And I learned that we can trust our ears. Think about the pop music you hear on the radio. Think about all of the hip hop, the indie rock, all of those things. You hear fuzzy tones, you hear like really complicated rhythms. You hear all of these things every day. Why can't you accept that those can happen on your flute too? Um, or why is it that when we take to our instrument and we make a fuzzy sound, 
we're like, oh God, no. So what I would say first is to incorporate a little bit of this into your practice, whether it's starting really basic with just doing harmonics, because if you're, you know, if got your low C fingering and you get all the way up into the stratosphere, you're forced to deal with the fact that this sounds fuzzy and kind of all over the place, but it's correct. Like you're playing the harmonics, playing the harmonic series. It's correct. So start to incorporate sounds that you might not be completely comfortable with in your playing in a low stress way in the practice room when you're doing your scales you know why not flutter tongue your scale going up that's important it's in due to you like you're gonna have to flutter tongue all the time might as well get good at it and get get used to it right so we can take our lessons that we've already had on flutter tongue and just start from there okay that leads us into the next question which is what do we practice I have to tell a quick story that uh, when I met Ian Clark, it was in the lunchroom in a break room of a flute club event. We we were uh, eating ham sandwiches, and I said, uh, basically, hi, uh, I love your music. My students play it, but I don't. And uh, he said, why not? You know, and over this ham sandwich, I told him I really couldn't play shakaka. And he said, but you just said it. And I said, but you know what I'm saying that, you know, the the whole I don't know. I just feel like it's it's something that my students can do. Well, I was I had an example set by one of my teachers who really didn't play anything contemporary after Barrio Sequenza. So I thought maybe I could check out. Right. So he encouraged Amy Porter at that very moment to not check out of his music. And I then, okay, fine. I said, what do you suggest? He said, play a piece that I wrote for my mother after she passed away. Uh, um, and so, uh, I did. And all of a sudden I was playing these pitch bends, Justine, and I wrote to him and I said, I've spent my whole life making a beautiful sound and now you're destroying it. The fingerings, all the fingerings I had to Mm -hmm. learn. I was a little, just mad it was a whole new area so this was ian clark for god's sake it's not even you know it's very accessible music but i had checked out so can you tell us how we can get back into if we've checked out or are new how can we like what that's our question what um i have a great idea for people who have that same experience or just feel discouraged or uninterested, mostly. And that is, we talk about contemporary music as if it's all, you know, Stockhausen, improv, you know, craziness. And my recommendation for people getting into new music and who are kind of worried about it um, or nervous about extended techniques is don't play new music with extended techniques for a little bit. Play Philip Glass, you know, play Love Divided By. That is a piece a beautiful flute piece with flute and piano that has not a single extended technique, very simple, very minimalist, but it is more current than playing something else. And it's a nice place to start by saying, okay, like I'm playing contemporary music, but it's still in your comfort zone. The important thing after that is to take it a step further and take a look at Ian Clark, also very accessible music. But now you've got a little bit of going on to keep building on that and doing the research, right? Like this is academic research. These people have been around. They've laid the foundation for our instruments future 
And you need to keep on looking and listening. And the more you listen, the more comfortable you get. You know, if you are experiencing no extended techniques, you only listen to, you know, this beautiful booming flute sound and classical music. When you hear the flute do something else, you're uncomfortable because your ear isn't ready for it yet. And it is ready. You just haven't given it that opportunity to show you that it's welcoming. So take to your Spotify or YouTube or whatever, put it on for five minutes while you're walking to school and you'll start to internalize that these are, these sounds are okay. These sounds are good. You appreciate them more. You want to replicate them more. And you know, there's nothing, I can't emphasize enough. There's nothing worse than being the person who shows up to the group, the quintet rehearsal, whatever it is, and says, I'm not going to play new music because it puts you back in a box. You know, we're, we've been in the box and we can go to the box, but you don't want to live there, you know, ever. And in the practice room, um, some great things to just expand and get in touch with like your curiosity with your instrument, even if you're not feeling very curious about your instrument. I like to pick three notes from a scale and just play them however I see fit for a little while, just kind of noodle around on three notes, make up my own rhythms, you know, just kind of sit with those three notes and then we add another note and then we add another note and suddenly you're improvising and you didn't even know it because in your head, you're just playing notes from a scale. And that's a really excellent way to just get in touch with I'm creating, I'm creating, even though this is so easy and simple and obvious, I'm doing something new right now. And it's the mindset that is the biggest, um, your biggest friend or your biggest enemy. That's right. Taming the Wild Ox by Stephen Rush is a, a work, if you can call it a work. It's a creation, and it's based on the, the book Taming the Wild Ox, which is an ancient Buddhist uh, text in print, in, in, and Stephen Rush gave me a copy of this book, and it, the cover is a very young boy sitting atop an ox, and he, the the ox are walking through the forest and the ox in the poetry is a metaphor for the ego and taming it is of course very difficult. Stephen Rush painted nine paintings, all of them different. He minimized them into nine squares on a piece of paper. He numbered them one through nine and you get to improvise on these nine paintings after reading this poetry. So it doesn't matter the instrumentation Stephen Rush gathered for the very first time, maybe 10 years ago, 
myself, along with Andrew Bishop, uh, Jeremy Edwards, and Stephen Rush at Piano with his little fun little box of toys, he called it. Rain sticks and maracas and little drums and tambourines and little things, right? Tchotchkes. Now, he said, okay, so you have the paintings in front of you. Here are numbered cards. You have one stand for the painting and one stand facing your chamber music colleagues and the audience showing which number you're playing. And the audience also has these nine paintings in front of them. So they can see which instrumentalist is playing which number. I asked a question. How long do we need to spend on each painting? Does it matter? Is it okay to play the same painting as as another person? And Steve Rush kept shaking his head saying, too much information. Too much. It doesn't matter. Don't ask. And then I got kind of quiet. I looked at Andrew Bishop. I looked back at Stephen Rush. I said... I need to ask another question. How do we know when to start? When will you cue us? And he said, no, too much information, just too much information. He kept saying those words. And I looked back at Andrew Bishop. I said, how do I know when to start? He said, you'll just know. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it just, uh, you know, and then I kept, then I looked at Andrew and I said, how do we know when it's going to stop? Yeah, or what's the first note? And they they kept saying, don't worry, you'll be fine. Okay, so they start playing, right? So I decided to pick the painting that has the circle within another circle within another circle. And it kind of is super intense in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. Like a nucleus. And then around it is this amazing hazy red and uh, orange and stuff. So I just started holding this note, like you said. I held one note and then I made it crazy and then I started bending pitches and then Justine, I did things like beyond what we just talked about. I took the head mm-hmm. joint out of the flute and I started going, then I brought my, my alto flute. Uh, I also did some George Crumb. I did some Takamitsu. I literally probably quoted pieces. Okay. So when when I kept shifting my painting, using my imagination with purely what I had learned through classical music, yeah. <laughs> the music just stopped. And they looked at me angrily. And I was like, oh, oh what happened? They said, Porter, you are pulling the wool over our eyes. You've done this a million times. You sound like a pro. What the heck? I said, you guys, this is my first time. I've never done this improv- improvisation. I've, I just did like every quote from every modern piece I've ever played. Like, <laughs> you got Heinz Hollinger. You know, you know how you can go and finger D and the yeah. partials change. That's super easy, but everybody else thinks it's really crazy. So I freaked them out in my maiden voyage of improv. These two professors really didn't believe me. That was my first time, but you guys, I was pulling it out of my toolbox. And what you did there is you you had no choice but to trust the tools that you had. And and it worked out and you allowed yourself that this is the most important thing about new music. If we're talking improv, if we're talking, you know, really getting out of your creative box, not necessarily playing, you know, like a Philip Glass piece is you're supposed to have fun with it. You're supposed to play with your instrument and enjoy the time that you have with all of these sounds. And if you sound, if you make a sound, that's like, no, thank you. You just don't do it again. No one's judging you. You know, and sometimes your no thank you is someone else's hell yeah. So 
you never really know. You just kind of have to trust that you've got it. You know your instrument and why not know it better and let loose, you know? So everybody, you can hear Taming the Wild Ox on Spotify. It's Stephen Rush's CD by the same name. Where do we find some extended technique, uh, like exercises and etudes maybe? Yeah, my favorite places to go when I am in need of something specific like fingerings for a piece or um, practice for techniques, uh, if I can't kind of make it up on my own in the room, I always refer to Robert Dick's books, um, especially The Other Flute. The Other Flute gives you every microtonal fingering you could ever need in your life, gives you all of the information you need to make as many sounds as possible. He also has a great book called Tone Development Through Extended Techniques. If you're a flutist, you already know Tone Development Through Interpretation. Same idea, different stuff. And those are super helpful, especially if you're someone who really likes to work through a book with a book, you know, if you're not able to just sit in the room quite yet and make it up as you go along, like having a guide and let those books be your guide, but do not play them as if they are the only, you know, point A to point B, you have to get out of them. They are just there to say, here's some tools, like go forth. We talk about extended techniques, like it's this one thing. Right. But there's so many different kinds. So if you want to go play Greg Patillo's beats by for beatbox flute, that's extended techniques. If that's your jam, you're looking for really good like tongue extended techniques, you know, vocalizations, articulation techniques. Um, but if you want to play like drone music, you know, you might need your multiphonic fingerings in good order. You might need to get used to singing and playing. All of this can be whatever you want it to be. Some people do zero extended techniques and just lock in excellent stamina and polyrhythms. And then you're playing minimalist music. Like, that's find right. what you like. That's right. Okay, now we have the final question. Who? Who? do we play what composers who you know who do we talk to uh about this yep um talk to your teacher first and say hey what should i play if i want to get into new music new music take to your youtube get on the computer and start mimicking you know you can hear something and try to replicate it in the practice room or at home you can just the same way that you, you know, if someone sings do, re, mi, you sing do, re, mi. If someone goes, whoosh, 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 you can go. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. That's a great way to start. Start exploring, um, doing the research about like what extended techniques even mean. Why do we call them so extended? Why aren't they just techniques? These are just techniques, just well, like anything else. Exa exactly. Shauna Pranidis calls them expanded techniques. They are. And, you know, yes. don't, wouldn't you rather be an expanded musician than? Yes a non um as if you're a person in school get in touch with your local composer students i cannot stress this enough this was the most important um the most music i played it was it's a symbiotic relationship they want you to play their music you want to get better at new music and working with a living composer even if it's shooting an email, which is a completely welcome thing to do. If you find a composer's work and you have questions and you don't understand, you know, and you're 
teachers and your other flute players don't understand, new music is a community situation. No one's holding their secrets close to their chest. Like we want to grow all together. So you get those composers and the nicest thing is being able to sit down with a composer and say, hey, what are you going for here? I'm not sure how to do this as it's written. What, what's your vision? And a lot of the time they'll, they'll clear those things up for you. And it gives you that opportunity to say, okay, I see this, you know, amorphous blob or this wiggly line, or, you know, even just like feather beams and you get to kind of talk through it with someone who is just excited that you're playing the music. And once you do it once you're on call and you can do it again and again. And sometimes those pieces are so beautiful. You get to really show off your sound. Sometimes you just click your keys for like 10 minutes, but the people around you are doing something else. You know, we don't always need to be the most beautiful voice in the room. We have these opportunities to kind of lay in the background and play with all these different colors. And we talk about tone colors. These are just other colors. It's like seeing more than the rainbow, you know? It's like entering a new dimension of color and sound. And um, talk to your people, talk to your flutists, email me, email Porter. <laughs> so Justine, how, how do you put it into your life? Uh, for one thing, you are establishing yourself in, in a couple of different areas and maybe we can tell our listening audience why we can trust you uh, because we can follow your process. And so just tell us about your, your life right now in music. Sure. Um, my life right now is primarily based around new music. Um, I made it a priority. And once you set a priority for yourself in that way, and once you tell your professor or your friends or your colleagues that you want to play new music, um, it's kind of hard to go back on that. <laughs> and once I kind of found myself uh, gravitating towards like the new and the experimental in everything I did, you know, I was watching like experimental film and reading these crazy books. And I was like, this is where it's at. I want to be a part of this. Um, I'm just making myself a part of it. And the nice thing about music and being um, out of the square, as I call it, this is the it's a blessing and a curse is that there's no pre-written path for you to take. You know, I'm not going and auditioning for an orchestra anymore, even though that was something I wanted for about, you know, 20 years. Um, I have all of this freedom to use my toolkit for whatever I want to. And, you know, right now that's solo projects, you know, I, on my own happened to get into performing arts technology. So I have, you know, my computer music set up. I work with others all the time. Um, I would say my life in Ann Arbor as a musician has primarily looked like improv, free improv, structured improv, and really team building with my musicians, you know, like really showing up for each other and saying, I want to do this, and then saying, I'll do whatever I can to make this happen for you, even if it's, you know, marching around a field playing wacky music. Like, I will do 
these things because I want to be a part of what's being created. And that's really important to me. And I also selfishly just have the most fun when I'm doing it, you know, and that's, that's what it's all about. I just have the most fun. Yeah. I'm thinking about pursuing a DMA and contemporary performance. Stay tuned on that because I'm so inspired by um, some of the professors that I had who really pushed creativity for me, you know, like really took the kids or I watched them take the young undergrads who just wanted to do the weirdest stuff. They took them under their wing and they said, here are the materials you need. And here is, you know, I'll guide you through that. And I, I kind of looked at the two paths I have, which are like, go back to school or not go back to school. And I was like, that's something I think I could be really good at is telling people and like spreading this energy that like, this is all for fun. Music is all for fun. This is supposed to be silly and you might look foolish sometimes and you might not know what you're doing sometimes and you're going to play wrong notes, but we're going to do it and for the future. You're going to be that teacher. (laughs) Thank you. You're going to be that teacher and we can't wait to kind of update everybody on your progress uh, because there are Justine fans out there. I'm one of them. (laughs) And that's, that's why you're one of the producers. Yeah. Well, I couldn't so, have done it without you. For anyone who's hearing me for the first time, my favorite story I tell about Porter is that I walked in to my audition and she said, what do you want to do with your master's degree? And I said, I will play only contemporary music for you. And she said, all right, well, where is it on your repertoire list? And I was like, I've been busy. I've been playing all the audition stuff. And she said, all right, well, let's just, we'll make that happen for you. Game on. Yeah teachers please be supportive of your weirdo contemporary students because it means so much when you have the whole classical music society coming down and telling you that you know you weren't good enough to be in an orchestra so you're playing you know all this stuff um it means a lot to have professors who say no this is a valuable art of its own that you are going to excel in and i will hold you to that and help you with it um so it means a lot. Shout out to all the teachers. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you so much for having me. And if you want to find me, my Instagram is at softboiledleg. And you can DM me anytime with all your questions about contemporary music. I'd be happy to talk with you. Yay. Yay! Okay, I have just the person for you. She'll hold your hand through the entire process of figuring out your extended techniques. Shauna Pranidis, Masters of Music in 2008 from the University of Michigan, is fearlessly expanding the realm of sonic possibility for her instruments through innovative performances and educational projects. She integrates new and historically reimagined works with electronics, movement, and multidisciplinary elements to create seamless, immersive concert experiences. Shauna travels the world regularly to perform and teach as a solo guest artist and with the chamber ensembles she's founded, Memoria Nova and Collect Project. She is the artistic director and co-founder of Flute Expansions, the first comprehensive e-learning platform for composers and performers to explore contemporary flute music and technique. 
As a career and performance coach, she helps musicians unlock their potential to create more joy and prosperity in their lives and careers. So FluteExpansions.com is spelled F-L-U-T-E-X-P-A-N-S-I-O-N-S. Are you looking for a quick overview of a specific expanded technique? You click on the videos tab to watch and listen to any technique. All the basic technique videos and explanations on the C flute are available. Are you searching for the guidance on how to produce a technique? Or are you curious to hear what they sound like on the piccolo, alto, or bass flute? You can go deeper by selecting more information or the auxiliary instruments for more explanation and production tips. You'll be prompted to become a member when you go deeper. Free membership allows access to the repertoire list, the auxiliary instrument videos, and more detailed information. As content is added and becomes available, everyone's notified right away. Flute Expansions is looking for a community to talk about sound and exchange ideas and receive inspiration. They have these free events, so they also have a private group where the free events are held. And community and collaborations at the heart of what they do so they invite everyone to join in the conversation in this private group. How can Flute Expansions help you reach your artistic dreams? Well, they have lessons and events, workshops and online lessons are available. So email them for more information at fluteexpansions.com. Thank you, Amy, for the invitation to participate in this discussion about the fear of extended techniques. It's such an important discussion, especially as orchestras are including more new music in their programming, and we strive for better diversity and inclusion in classical music. I personally believe that our biggest obstacle as flutists is the belief that some technique is normal and some is extended. It's all just technique that we use to do something rather miraculous. We turn air into something we can hear and feel. Sound, music, it's so special. In fact, there's nothing new about these sounds actually. Microtones, glissandi, percussive sounds, these have all been used in flute music from around the world in a variety of traditions for thousands of years. What's so fantastic now is that we have the capacity to expand our palette of colors and our artistic expression beyond just a pure flute sound. We can howl like the wind, shout, cry, growl. We can more fully express the full range of human experience in music by expanding the sounds and techniques we use to create music on the flute. For me, I have found that working with contemporary flute sounds has made me a better flutist overall too. There's a myth out there that it destroys your flute playing, and it's simply not true. So if you can hear microtonal intervals, your intonation improves, and the fingerings for microtones give you more alternate fingering options for any piece of music. Working on glissandi and aeolian sounds improves the muscular control and flexibility in your embouchure. And developing an interpretation for a piece that has never been played before you simultaneously sharpen your interpretation skills for all music and you can bring that creativity into your approach for old music too. 
All of this is a process of exploration and experimentation. It's so fun. I think that the fear sometimes comes from simply a lack of understanding or familiarity with the how-to part of producing the sounds. And that was the biggest reason that I created Flute Expansions. So Flute Expansions is an e-learning resource for learning and exploring contemporary flute sounds. And the idea came from the observation that there was no centralized place for in-depth discussion of how to produce and practice the techniques for artistic mastery, and definitely not anything easily accessible online from any mobile device. So on flute expansions, there are videos that allow you to both see and hear how a particular technique is produced. There's production tips, notation samples, and the videos are and sound samples are available for both the C flute and all auxiliary instruments. There's also a constantly growing repertoire list that you can search by technique and find pieces that feature the techniques you are personally working on. This year, I expanded the platform to add a four-week summer program, Sonic Immersion, for a deep dive into new music, where participants explored improvisation, electronics, and composition as well. And this winter, I'll be doing a three-day intensive for those looking to just get started and get their feet wet exploring all of this. Um, anyone interested can sign up on our mailing list, and as more information becomes available, it'll be sent to you. For anyone who's curious and looking to incorporate these sounds into their practice, I have developed a set of expanded warm-up exercises that allow you to incorporate the sounds and develop the, the uh, techniques in your flute playing. And you can download these for free from the Flute Expansions website. So the unknown is sometimes a bit scary. And I would just like to encourage everyone listening to explore these sounds, have fun with them, and remember that everything is hard at first, messy in the middle, and gorgeous by the end. Thanks, Amy. I have my own tips for you as well to get you through your practicing of the music we call modern. First of all, iron out or steam. Yes, just like a, a shirt or a dress. I always say iron it out. You can repeat your fingerings and your sounds and your phonics as if ironing out the wrinkles in the technique. When we iron out the mechanics of the work, we can look or sound a little more polished. There's a lot of investment made in this piece that you're playing, and if you practice the wrinkles out of your piece, you'll sound much more professional, and you'll feel the fluency. I can't express the importance of this enough. Play the phrase, the sound, the fingering, or the pattern many times in a row to make it feel and sound polished. All right, are you ready? Here's my next piece of advice. Go into therapy. Go into therapy with your teacher, your friends, your recordings, and your resources. If more people would resolve their struggles with listening to modern music and going to hear it live, then people would approach the music not from negativity, but from their own story of sound. Not everybody deals with their difficulties 
in listening to art. So this leads to unhappiness. If you want to normalize this music and take away the stigma, then please talk about it and play it. Listen to it, study it, and teach it. Go through it yourself so you can truly understand it's not something crazy people do. (laughs) A lot of people think of it as a personal musical growth tool. It'll truly make your musicianship better. Modern music has been a game changer for my sound, and I think this kind of study can take you to that next level. Invest in your self-growth and your musical health by playing contemporary music. All right, here's another tip. Define your goals. Know the path, but don't think that you have to know the entire work right away. Work line by line. Define your goal. If you need to, you can always repeat the goal. You can write in the sounds you've made. You can change your mind. You can change direction in your inter- in your interpretation. Just try things out. The more you know in advance, the better. So you keep working each line one at a time. You ask questions. What is the purpose of this sound? Uh, what does the outcome sound like, right? Don't go into stereotypes. Just be you. There's no right or wrong. The focus is on your projection of the sounds and the pieces. You don't want to sound like anyone else. Your focus is on thinking outside the box. In this way, you're opening up yourself to so many tonal opportunities. Okay, another tip. It's pretty simple. Keep your flute in order. Your instrument will create amazing sounds if it's in working condition. This sets the entire tone for the study of multiphonics and pitch bends, uh, key clicks, of course, and more. Another tip, use your imagination at all times. Step into the vibration of this whole thing and use your most crazy techniques that you've learned, especially if you have to improvise. Get rid of the limited mindset. Maybe you were afraid to use your worst tone, you know, but adopt a mindset of a storyteller with a big toolbox of sounds and you can invest in a quality performance. I assure you, your performances will be charged with an energy and you should use your most imaginative energy. Wire yourself with the energy to perform the music like you're unafraid, unabashed, and without abandon. And this will, again, elevate your playing and your performing to the next level. Okay, final tip. Pay attention to the details because the composer wrote something specific. Okay, some people will gloss over the details in the music by overlooking articulations, overlooking notes, even, I don't know why, and not knowing what's happening in another part, right? Could be um, the piano part, right? It's not appropriate to approximate in modern music. The key to your success is literally called the key. It's a legend. It's that dictionary in the front of your music. It could be in the back of the music. Uh, It's the information given, and it's showing you uh, when this happens, then do that. Okay, so it's pretty much 
your dictionary. And now some of the information is given on the go and you have to reference back to the material, but keep that legend next to you. It's your source. Make sure it's a close relative to your actual music. Copy it and put it next to you. Okay, those are my tips. I hope they work. And there you have your therapy session. Thank you so much, Justine and Shauna, for being on Porterflute Pod today. Join us next week when we're discussing etudes and, in particular, my favorite, the Karg Alert Caprices. You can find me at amyporter.com or porterflute.com. Thanks for being here. I'm so grateful for you. <laughs>